Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. Once I have those done, I will take all of my packets over to my desk and pretty much immediately within either the same day or the next day, but I, I don't move on to any other project until I've got those stories told. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 107. In this episode, I'm joined by Crystal Idunate to talk about pre-planning scrapbook pages, intentionally using most of your supplies, and how products can inspire creative storytelling ideas. Hey, Crystal, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. Yes, I am so looking forward to our conversation. I think our brains work kind of similarly in terms of being analytical. So this is going to be a really, really good one. Well, awesome. I'm very excited. Can you share a little bit about yourself? Um, So our audience, if they don't know you yet, can get to know you. Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Crystal. My last name is crazy and nobody can ever pronounce it. It's uh, Irunyate. My my husband is uh, half Mexican. So his last name comes from his family down in Mexico. Um, We currently live in Michigan. I've actually, I've lived in Michigan my entire life here in the United States. And um, we have been married for seven years now, met in college and uh, we were really good friends before we started dating, and you know the rest is history. We have two kids. Our daughter just turned six in January, and our son is about two and a half. His birthday's in September, so you know we're approaching the. We're you know they say the twos are terrible, but I've been there before. I know the threes are worse, <laughs> so we're we're well on our way there. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's definitely a um, challenging time for sure. Yes, yes, kids. Um, so that's pretty much our family dynamic. We have two cats in our house, too, one who's been with us since we were married and the other one we just got this summer. So that's been interesting, too, to like see them try to get along sometimes. We'll get there eventually. Um, so that's pretty much that. I currently, I also have a, a part-time job. Um, so I'm, I'm homeschooling for the current season because of COVID. That was never a plan, uh, but it's where we're at. So I'm homeschooling her for kindergarten. And then I work part-time for my family's business, which is in the coffee industry. And I do the accounting for the business. So I'm actually um, in process of training my mom to take over my job. And then I am going to be leaving the company, hopefully within the next couple of months here. Oh, but wow, a coffee industry job. I'm obsessed with coffee. So <laughs> are you guys a roaster? Yes. Like, I need to know more about this because I love coffee. <laughs> we are a little bit of everything. So uh, my my grandma is the one who started the company and it's like, I don't, I, I won't even say how old it is because I'll probably get it wrong. Um, but she started it when my dad was a kid and it began as a coffee roasting company. So we do have a roasting aspect still in the company. We, we roast all of it in-house and then, um, it, it like became eventually a franchise company. And then, um, 
you know, got really big and overseas and all the things. And then uh, it eventually like came back down, you know, because businesses grow and they they go through like their waves, you know, where they're at the top, at the peak and then a valley and then a peak and a valley. Yeah. So um, it's as you know, the world has changed Our the business has changed. So now there's an online portion, but the portion I work in is distribution. Okay. So we have uh, like an office coffee section, which just means we provide coffee to offices and businesses. Very cool. You know, businesses ebb and flow. Uh, so right now our company has gone into more of an online type of model for half of it for the part that used to be franchise. There's still franchises, but it's, you know, developing into this online thing. And then for the opposite side, which is where I right now work, we're a distribution center. So we distribute coffee to like convenience stores and offices and, you know, your banks and stuff like that. So that's the part that I'm in. Well, very cool. And you're also kind of, you know, training yourself out of a job by um, training your next replacement. And um, yeah, very cool. I love hearing about what what scrapbookers are doing uh, when they're not scrapbooking. Um, So how long have you been scrapbooking? I'm so curious. So I I started scrapbooking when I was very young. So uh, my mom was into creative memories way back in the day. And um, I used to go to like the crop sessions with her. I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. And I did my own scrapbooks for middle school and high school. And then I stopped um, just because life got busy and, you know, it wasn't a priority anymore. And I didn't pick it back up again until about two and a half years ago. So I had already, you know, been married. I had my daughter. We were living our life. And then after I had my son, I really got serious about, you know, wanting to scrapbook again because it was something I really enjoyed. But I felt very daunted by the 12 by 12 spreads, which is what I, you know, that's where I got my start. Um, So it really wasn't until I ran into this whole idea of pocket page scrapbooking and story-based scrapbooking that ultimately pulled me in and boy, am I all in on it. But yes, seriously scrapbooking for probably about two and a half years. That's so cool. I hear so many stories from um, our podcast guests and just around the industry of those who kind of found it because their moms or other family members were doing it. And then they kind of rediscovered it in this new modern way. Yes, that's definitely my story for sure. (laughs) So what's exciting you right now in memory keeping? Uh, I would say a couple of things. So one of the things that, um, that just makes me so excited all the time is a challenge called story kit crush. And the whole concept of this challenge is to use up your products, uh, specifically for this one, it's story kits from Allie Edwards, but it works across any product line. Um, you know, we buy all this stuff that we love and then a lot of it ends up going onto a shelf and it's never touched again. So seeing the community come together every week to share stories of using up their product, number one, but also all of the stories that come out of it is amazing. It's one of my most favorite things of the entire week. I look forward to Fridays. That's the day that typically the stuff gets shared on social media. I look forward to those days all week long. Another thing that uh, for me is very exciting right now is for me personally, I uh, just recently, it was recently announced that um, I'm joining page file team this year. And while it's exciting, yes, for me to be on that team, I think what's even cooler about the whole thing is that there are so many new faces on that team. And so I'm very excited to get to know some new people in this industry and to see, you know, what types of inspiration we can glean from them. Oh, yes, for sure. I'm I'm loving that. And I'm loving the way that our community has come together to amplify voices, particularly, you know, um, 
black crafters, but even, you know, crafters who maybe just are newer to the industry as well. And making sure that we're, we see talent, we're highlighting it and making sure this industry continues to thrive um, with all its diversity. It's very cool. Yes, absolutely. So what is one story on your bucket list? We love to ask our podcast guests this because it's, sometimes it can feel intimidating to tell some of these bigger, deeper stories or ones that feel meaningful. So what's one story that you still really want to tell? So for me, it's actually a really hard question to answer because I'm generally very much um, like a get it done type of person. I don't usually have a lot on my bucket list because I just do it. One thing though, that has been on my mind a lot lately, and especially after the December daily season was, um, because of the way that I scrapbook, which is generally very pre-planned. I'm, we'll get into a little bit of that later. Uh, I don't often go through my day just like waiting for a story to hit me. And uh, it just seems like a very romantic way to approach storytelling. And so for me, one of the things I have on my bucket list is to just spend a period of time. I don't know. I don't know yet what this looks like, but to spend a period of time where every day it's similar to December Daily. Every day I tell a story, but it is literally something that just happens. It's not something that I have already pre-thought out to tell. Um, so it's not necessarily like one specific story, but just something spontaneous, I suppose. Mm. So you kind of want to, because you maybe are a, a planner and you're always kind of organizing your ideas as, as part of your natural process, you wanted to kind of go with the flow and see what stories come from that. Exactly. That's a really cool way to look mm -hmm. at it for sure. Because I think sometimes we we think about, gosh, there's just, I have this long list and maybe I should write it down. But if you're already kind of in that flow, you might find the greater creativity from switching up your process. So that's that's a great way to think about it. All right. So the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because you started this unboxing and a project plan with me YouTube series last summer. And ever since then, I had so many Simple Scrapper members say, oh my gosh, Jennifer, you need to see this because I am definitely a planner and I love to get your thoughts down on paper so that you can be more creative in the moment um, and have things already kind of organized and ready to go. It kind of eliminates so many of the barriers. So so could you start by sharing what you do in these videos specifically versus other videos on your channel or other types of videos that people think of when they're thinking of scrapbooking videos? Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that brought me back into the scrapbooking world was watching process videos, which there are lots of process videos by lots of different creators out there. And you know, everyone's got their own style, which makes them so much, it's such a joy to watch. But one of the things that I got asked a lot, uh, me personally, was how did I tell so many stories all the time? Like, how was I able to create so many projects? And for me, the idea of taking my product and pulling it out and deciding on stories to tell with it was just natural. So, it's very hard to explain. It's, I wouldn't say it's hard to explain, but sometimes, you know, it's easier to see something than it is to say it. So I, I thought of uh, doing an unboxing video, which are also out there, but coupling that with project planning it. So let me show you everything that comes in this kit. And then let me show you all of the stories I'm going to tell with it. For me, I uh, I tell people all the time that I am not a hoarder. I am a use it or lose it. Um, it's got a shelf life, and when that shelf life is over, out it goes. So knowing that about myself and that I still want to buy the products, I I know I have to use them so that I don't end up throwing them away and wasting wasting the money that I spent on them. So. Um, it just was a natural tendency. Like, how can I use all of the things that I buy? Because I like it, so I might as well use it. So generally what I do on the videos, I will, um, right now I do them for 
the two teams that I'm on. So I'm on Feature Craft and I'm also on the Ali Edwards creative teams. And I, um, because of that, I get their products early, which is nice because it allows me to do these videos right when the products release and that helps to make buying decisions. Um, so I will take the product, open it up, literally take everything out and show you what's included. And then I go through the process of separating them into piles or little groupings that can help me tell a story. So it is very much like it, it I do start with product, I should say. Like it, you know, there's product based and story based and photo based mm-hmm. storytelling. Uh, for me, I use the product to help me spark the story, but ultimately the story is still what matters most. Uh, What's cool about that is that it gives you the opportunity to tell stories that you might not have thought of otherwise. Oftentimes we're, we're really zoning in on the stories that are big, you know, the right now it could be what COVID is, is like for us. It could be a birthday party. It could be um, going back to school. Like there are major events in our life and those tend to take the front seat storytelling. But when we look at our product and there's a sentiment that says something like, you know, your habits and my habits, right? There's Mm -hmm. a story right there. You pick somebody and talk about the differences between your habits. And would you have thought to tell that otherwise? I love that approach. And I think I definitely use my product in the same way. And I think some of the most interesting stories and ones that I definitely wouldn't have told have come from you know, a choice that a designer at some point, you know, many months to even a year before then made that choice to include that sentiment. And then that influenced the story that I'm telling today. And I, that's one of the things I love about product and the way the product has evolved so much in the past, like two to three years, you know, even just a couple of years ago, finding like word art embellishments in a kit or in products was less common. (laughs) And now that's, it's so much of it. And I just, I love the words and how they, you know, they, they drive us forward. Yes. I feel the exact same way. Um, and I think I attribute that a lot to, to why this particular hobby means so much because words mean so much Mm -hmm. and, and having them highlighted, you know, can just draws you in. Oh, for sure. Now I've noticed in your videos that I feel like you almost always do four stories from one kit. Is that like a rule of thumb? Is it just kind of happens that way? Uh, Tell me like, do you, how do you, how do you choose how many you're going to do? So uh, it does depend a lot on the kit that I am working with Um, because certain kits come with more product than others. Oh, certainly. When I'm working with, uh, let's say like a stories by the month kit where you get, you know, eight four by six cards and, or maybe you get four four by six cards and eight three by four. So like it's a, a smaller amount of product. I do work in a project life. So typically with every single kit I get, that is probably one of my rules is that, or like, you know, quote unquote rules, rules are meant to be broken, but of rules, yeah. um, that I try to tell at least one week worth of project life with that, with that kit, which also helps me to tell stories from different angles. And when it comes to project life, um, so that's one like rule, I guess that I use aside from that, uh, typically with a, with a stories by the month kit, I can probably only get two to three additional stories out of there just as of the amount of product that's in there. Sometimes it might be more because I have no problem with taking one chipboard and making an entire spread about that one chipboard sentiment. So it, it can happen that there are more. It just, it tends to be somewhere in the ballpark of two to three. And same with the feature craft kits. Uh, those, sometimes I might get one more, like it might be four stories and a project life spread or three in a project life spread. But when I do the story kit crush, which is um, working with the story kits and I take those out, those tend to be a lot more because they come with a lot more. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, I'll do the project life, but then I think like the most I've ever gotten out of a story kit, I think is nine stories, Whoa, nine (laughs) stories 
plus a project life. Yeah. And and again, sometimes it might just be there was one chipboard that said one thing and that made yeah. me like, oh my gosh, this is a story I need to tell. Um, but you know, more often than not, it's more around like six or seven and project life. Um, yeah. So I suppose that's how it works. So just more based on the quantity of, of product. Maybe it just happened to be that I watched the same, like I was clicking around to videos and I saw four and four and four. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it probably just depends. Yeah. So I'm curious, are, are this, this planning process you go through, is this always separate and a different kind of sitting from when you were going to create the pages or are those ever together? Adjacent, I guess. Uh, right. Um, yes and no. So when I am filming, because a lot of times, like with YouTube, at least I schedule things ahead of time. So um, when I plan, I will usually spend about an hour or two. It's usually like an hour is what it takes me to to pull it all out and separate it into piles. And I do sketch out a general idea of what I want the page to look like. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be that way, but it does give me pretty good guidelines for what I'm looking for in terms of photos and in terms of journaling space. And then once I have those done, I will take all of my packets over to my desk and pretty much immediately within either the same day or the next day, but I, I don't move on to any other project until I've got those stories told. So I will then look up my photos and get those done, um, you know, down and edited and printed off. And then I'll do the journaling the same way, just kind of batch it all out. So then when I'm actually going to put the pages together, everything is there and ready for me. So once I have it planned and I spend my time at my computer doing what I need to do there, the actual creation time at my desk is typically around 15 to 30 minutes tops is what it takes me to put each page together. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, for me, it's batching. The batching, the process makes it easier. I think probably the greatest like creative time for me is most likely going to be that planning session, just like going through it and thinking, how can I use this in a creative way? And it, you know, during the creation part, there is some of that too, because you, you change your mind on some things and make decisions. I don't always make every single decision when I'm planning. Sometimes I'll put in multiple choices and figure it out later. But um, by batching it, it does allow me to get those stories told without letting them sit for too long. And then, you know, time passes and you don't do it. For sure. Because you said something a, a minute ago that maybe was surprising to me that you don't move on to something else until you've basically completed the plan. You've implemented the plan versus you're not stockpiling these little planned collections. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because I can see that like some scrapbookers might spend all of their time doing the planning and then not ever actually doing the rest of it and making the pages. I think there's a, there's a temptation there because it feels satisfying. Um, and so I think that's a, I mean, that's an important rule that you have that you, you plan it and then you make it and then repeat. <laughs> yes. Yes. For me, I think the biggest like dopamine release I get is putting the spread in the, in the book. Mm -hmm. So it's like getting to the point of putting it in the book and then, you know, that's the really good feel good moment. So I'm, I'm always working for that. Very cool. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the problems that this approach solves. How, I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit. How do you think this helps in terms of using up your products? For me, it has helped tremendously. Um, I get a lot of questions from people about, you know, are there things you don't like in kits? What do you do with things that you don't like? or, you know, that sort of thing. Or, or sometimes there are products that are difficult to use. Uh, an example is that I used a, an Allie Edwards kit that had the alphabet A through Z, plus like some extra ones that were all cl a clear acetate. Like they were about an inch by an inch and a half clear acetate squares. And so those are a difficult product to use and to use them all. How do you use them all? So for me, Sometimes that is 
the joy of the creative challenge <laughs> is like, how can I find a way to use the products that I, that maybe I don't like as much, or maybe that I find complex. <laughs> how can I use those in a creative way to still create something beautiful? Um, and a lot of times from that, that's the first spread I will make. Cause I'm usually most excited to get something done that seems creative or creatively difficult. Um, but it does help because that ultimately that's my goal is to use the stuff that I've got and to not put anything in my stash. Um, I don't always fulfill that, but I would say that my, my back stash is very small. <laughs> like I don't have a lot of extra supplies sitting around, which is awesome. You know, that feels really awesome. So it does, it helps to use your product. And I think the, the biggest reason for that is because you're using your product to spark your story. So like once you have your story, the product becomes like an aid to telling the story. Mm -hmm. It's no longer like waiting for the perfect story to come. It's you've looked at it and you're like, you know what? This reminds me of that vacation I took a long time ago. Well, use it to tell that story <laughs> and it will help you use your product. So do you ever like compile the leftovers? Do you let go of things? Because I'm imagining if you have it, let's just say you take a kit and you use as much of it as you can. I mean, how much of the time were you using 100% of it? Or do you have a, like a mental bar of I'm really trying to use like 90% of it and then let the rest go? Mm -hmm. I'd say probably around that, that it's probably around 90%. Usually I end up with maybe a chipboard piece or two, maybe a journaling card, maybe two. And those do, like I do have... Um, I do have some supplies that I have left over that just add up in mm -hmm. like a, you know, in a container. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a very big container. And, um, my, my rule with that for myself is it can't go past that. So if it starts to get too much, then I have sisters and sister-in-laws and people who I can pass it on to and know that they'll use it. Um, because I don't, for me, there is freedom and having less. I think having a lot of product at my disposal feels overwhelming and it, it's almost paralyzing for making decisions because you just, you have so much, where do you even start? So for me, I try to really, really limit how much I have in my craft space that I can choose from. And even outside of the kits I'm working with, because generally I'm just going to be working with a specific kit. So the amount of time that I'm going into my stash to find something extra, it doesn't happen very often. So I know that I have to keep my supplies pretty limited. So would you say that you're kind of, I don't know, the, the flow of product is that you have a kit and that your intention is to then use the kit as much as you can. And then sometimes maybe you have which kind of sparked this story kit crash process as a kit that you haven't dug into yet. Um, but you're not breaking up your kits. You're using your kits and then you have a tiny amount of leftovers. It just sounds like uh, you don't mm -hmm. have the traditional stash of like, here's my, my chipboards and my stickers and my, all of my things because you ever, everything is in a kit unless it's specifically this very small 10% that's left over. Yes, exactly. That's, yes. That's so like I have um, very admirable, I guess. I don't know. It's so awesome. <laughs> I have um I have one of those like rolling carts. Mm -hmm. And the top of my rolling cart has a bunch of like divided wood containers that have my chipboard and my puffy stickers in it. Yeah. That's it. Like just that one little section. Well, I think there's so yeah. much to learn because you, you've identified this big problem of, of overwhelm by stash because the more stuff you have and you're just, if you're trying to feed a scrapbook stash with your purchases, you're kind of bypass, you're kind of bypassing the storytelling process. Whereas your product mm -hmm. input, which I realize some of it is design team that's being sent to you, but mm -hmm. your product input is directly feeding your stories. Um, so it's a much more mm -hmm. sustainable process and that's that's awesome thank you 
<laughs> so maybe let's like kind of dig more into the storytelling aspect. Um, like, have you always had this process or did you kind of have to, did you, did you edge into it over time as you became overwhelmed and, and how, um, do you, I guess, do, do as every story start with the product? Are you sometimes telling stories from another direction as well? I would say probably 80% of the time my stories come from the product. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, and sometimes, you know, the, the product can even be like, like an example, I had a February kit, which will was like pinks and florals and girly. And I got it right around the time my daughter turned six. So I used the product from that kit to tell the story of her birthday. So it wasn't like there was no sentiment in there that said happy birthday or anything like that. But I knew like, oh, this is these colors and the way that this product looks makes me think of her. And this would be a good one for her birthday. But, you know, that was a story I was going to tell no matter what, no matter what product I had. Um, but most of the time it does come from the product. I think for me that the storytelling with scrapbooking really took hold, gosh, maybe it was the end of 2019. So I had been scrapbooking for about a year and like, like in it scrapbooking. And I had, um, my project life album. That's what I started with when I came in. And even that, when I go, when I go back and look at it, um, when you're trying to learn a new craft, you often try on a lot of different things to see what works for you. So my, my, you know, my project life album has a lot of like stuff I look back on. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is so not me. But it's okay. Cause I had to try that on to make sure that it wasn't. Um, so I, I did this project life album and then I started doing some like mini travel albums, which I still, I still do those. Uh, and those tend to have more journaling in them. And that I think brought on the, the writing. I have always, always, always been very wordy, <laughs> probably both speaking and writing. So, um, journaling with scrapbooking photos was like a dream come true. Like, oh my gosh, I have a place to put all of these words and I don't have to feel bad that I have all these words here. And who cares if somebody reads it or not, because at least I wrote them down. Um, So I started doing these travel albums and then I, you know, I was doing Allie's stories by the month kit at this point and was super interested in this whole idea of the story kit. So they had one that came out that was the word play. And I was like, you know what? That's perfect. That's that's a great prompt for me because I have two young kids to talk about play. And so I subscribed. And when I subscribed, I made myself a promise that I would take that kit and I would tell a minimum of three stories with it every month. So I have three albums that are, they're like, um, what I want to say, they're, they're continuous. Like I, they never stop really that are story albums. So one is dedicated to my daughter. One is dedicated to my son. And then one is for everything else, which I just kind of call our family album, I suppose. Sure. And I wanted to tell a story for all three of those albums. So one for Izzy, my daughter, one for Jonah, my son, and one for like anybody in our family. And that was the start of it. Because once I started doing that, that became much more of a passion for me than m- virtually anything else. Um, you know, and then you throw in a, a project like something like December Daily, where you're telling a daily story and it just, you know, is <laughs> it just puts everything on hyper mode of this storytelling and storytelling. So I think that, that that probably got me into it. And I will say that for anyone who... Uh, who is interested in adding more story, more words onto pages, you get better over time. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't, I can't write like, I can't write like that. And my journaling's not that good. Well, mine wasn't either. <laughs> mine wasn't either at the beginning. And, you know, it still has a lot of for improvement. So you just, you get better over time for sure. Oh, yeah. The more you practice, the easier it becomes, the more you find your own style and approach. But I I just love how 
you know, on the surface, you, you know, it might seem like you're very product focused. You're trying to use the product up, but no, you're trying to tell the stories. And I, I love this. We're kind of breaking through some of the, I don't know, maybe myths about pages that start with product because that's, that's part of the joy of this. Otherwise we wouldn't be scrapbookers if we weren't using products. Mm -hmm. We'd be, we'd be photo book makers and photographers and I don't know, social media gurus. I don't know, but we're scrapbookers. So we like the stuff and the stuff can really deeply connect to our why and our why is, is telling the stories of our lives. So I love that so much. So maybe switching gears here a little bit to just kind of design of the page. You said you started with Project Life, um, but I know you also do make, you know, layouts of varying sizes as well. How does your project planning process help you create the design, make design easier or more fun? How does that all fit together for you? Project planning or, you know, sketching out the ideas is is one of my favorite things to do. So uh, when I first started with, and I will say that with Project Life, I don't sketch anything out. I don't plan it. It just goes into a pocket. I pull out the supplies when I go to do my week. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, like an insider tip, sometimes if I have the kit digitally, I will add the cards that I have set aside into uh, like whatever file I keep all my photos in and then bring it all into Photoshop and design it in Photoshop before I bring it over to my craft table. That does kind of help me figure out a little bit of design, but I don't actually like, like sketch that by hand. For everything else though, I, I do. Uh, for the stories, for traveler's notebooks, for that sort of thing. Um, for a, a number of reasons. One, I think when I'm when I'm looking at product that I want to use, typically my, you know, my mind will jump at different ideas. Like maybe it's a journaling card that's got a bunch of flowers on it. I'm like, you know what I could do? I could cut this thing up and use those as embellishments. Um, and I'm thinking about that right now, but what if I put that in a pocket and I come back to it, you know, a week or two from now, and I might completely forget that that's what I thought I was going to do with that. Now I've got this card that like, what am I gonna do with this thing? So for me, sketching it helps me to capture those thoughts I have about the product right when I'm looking at it. The other thing that it helps me with um, is is photos and my journaling. Because when I, you know, first I have to determine where is the story going to go? Is it going to go in my daughter's album? Is it going to go in my son's album? Um, I have a couple of smaller, like I have a personal, um, traveler's notebook that I add stuff into. I share it. So it's like, it's not like private. It's just about me. And then I've got, um, an album I'm working on for my niece. So like I have a bunch of projects that are always ongoing. And so I have to determine where is this project going to go? And then from there, I try not to limit myself on the size of the page. So for instance, if I'm working in a six by eight album, I try not to say, okay, well, it's gotta be a six by eight on one side and a six by eight on the other side with divided pockets. Like I have, I am totally cool adding in, um, like a three by eight in there or, you know, something outside of the page protector. So, you know, I know that the maximum size I can have is what's going to fit in the album, but I don't let that limit the other sizes in there too, which allows for a little bit of creativity when you're ready for it. Because, you know, just starting out, you might not be ready to just change everything up all the time. But when it's something that's very routine, it's nice to be able to change things when you want to. So um, I start with that, like figuring out where they're going to go. And then um, once I have that idea, I, I have a page that I fill out, which, you know, back in the day, I, back in the day, last year, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I used to use a sketchbook, just like a five by seven regular sketchbook that you can get at the art store on like a spiral bound, whatever. And I would use that to sketch out my ideas. So I would title my piece and then, um, and then sketch it out and write down some notes about you know, maybe I want this story to be about going to the store in the winter. I don't know. <laughs> That's just random. But 
you know, maybe I have this idea and it goes in this sketchbook. And then I would take a sticky note and write the same title down on the sticky note and put that in with my product. So then when I took out my packet of supplies to use, I could then reference the sketch in my book and use that to help me tell my story. Ultimately, um, that works and it worked just fine, but I wanted to save myself the hassle of having to cross. And so that's why I made myself planning sheets where I could just jot everything down on this pre-printed sheet, fold it up and stick it in with my product. So everything's all in one place. Just, it just took one step out of the equation and made things a little easier. Oh, for sure. You know, you mentioned that you, you do project life in pocket pages as a project, but then you're also using pocket pages as part of your story focused layouts, if we want to call them that. And I think sometimes there's kind of a, I don't know, just this assumption that if you're doing pockets, it's project life. And if you're doing something that's not project life, it's it's a layout or a traveler's notebook or something else. And I love how you've separated those and that you do kind of plan the design for a an accompanying pocket page as you would a layout, but you're not planning the design for project life. And so I just, I think that's, it's a very interesting distinction, but I think it's important for our listeners to understand that you have, you have that choice and some things may be more planned because you want it to have some sort of like cohesive look and feel. And some things are a little more casual, like you're treating your project life where I'm, you're sticking things in pockets. Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, part of that distinction is a lot of times with my story projects, I have a much clearer idea of what is that photo going to be, even if it's something I've never taken. Like I, I'm working on a project right now about um, connection, about being connected. And I knew that I wanted a picture of my husband, my two kids and I with our hands like in the middle touching. And so I, I didn't have that picture. We actually took it last weekend because I was like, I want this picture. So mm-hmm. we're taking this. Um, but I have a clear idea of what's going to go there and what the story is going to be in general. Like uh, for a project, like let's, let's say for December daily, right? A, a project where I'm planning something that's going to happen in the future. I may not know all of the details of that story, but I can still plan for the space of where that story is going to go. For something like Project Life, it's a a grander scale of time. So it's like a full week of our life. And for some people, it's more than that. It's a month at a time or whatever. And it's much harder to predict everything. So I don't know if I'm going to end up with two stories for the week or if I'm going to end up with 10 stories for the week. So having things a little bit more flexible with my project life allows me to live our life and then come back and and document it later with whatever product I have available. And I can usually make whatever I've got work. Very cool. It makes sense. Now, you mentioned your photos. I'm curious, like at what point in your process are you typically printing your photos, do you include photos in these kits that are ready for you to create? Or is that the first step when you sit down to create? So that is like, right after I'm done planning, the first thing I do, it it depends. Sometimes I will start by typing out my story. Sometimes I'll start with gathering the photos. Um, but it, those definitely come before I sit down and create it. So I will generally print out everything. So I'll have my journaling printed on the cards or on cardstock, whatever it's going to be. And I, or handwritten, if I'm going to handwrite it, I'll just do that ahead of time. And then I will also print out my photos ahead of time. Sometimes uh, I already have the photos in mind that I want to use. Sometimes I use the same photo, like, four times. And I feel no shame in that. It's just, if I love it, I want to use it and I will use it in every single album I own because why not? Um, so if I know what the photo is going to be and I already have it, I'll just go download it, get it edited and print it off. And then I stick it in the packet with all of the materials. So when I go to create, you know, I like unzip my pocket there and I pull out my 
photos, my journaling, my cards, and then I turn on my camera and do my video. Like it, there's generally nothing that happens. Like, like it, there's wh- what am I trying to say? So like I will, I'll, I'll batch all the stuff together so that when I go to create, it's literally just creating. I don't have to make hardly any decisions at that point. Very cool. I think that's such an important thing because then it becomes a little bit of an assembly process. Uh, you're, you can batch in the creating as well. And, and I think it really, they also, they use different parts of your brain to make the decisions of how it's going to come together, what story you're telling, even choosing the photos. And if you're going to edit the photos, like these are more like logistical parts of your brain, whereas the sitting down and, you know, spatially arranging things in the end um, and gluing things, it's a little bit different parts of our brain. So I, I think there's, there's a huge benefit in, in kind of separating it into this, this staged process, the way you do it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, now, how are you... Now, you mentioned before that you're not kind of storing very many of these kits that are ready to go, but what do you... You mentioned zipper pockets. What are you putting them in, and have mm-hmm. you always used the same thing? Have you tried different things? Uh, right now, I... My favorite thing to store them in right now are the... Um, they're like plastic envelopes you can get from scrapbook.com and they come in various sizes but what I love about it the the biggest size album I use where I print full page photos are the six by eight so Mm -hmm. my project life is a nine by twelve but all of its pocket pages I don't do anything like full page so for those six by eight albums they a full photo so outside of the page protector which is almost seven inches by eight and a quarter, uh, those fit inside the large envelopes. So I love that because then I can actually add all of my supplies into them. Um, but I also use the plastic envelopes that a lot of the kits come in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like Allie's kits and Studio Caligo's kits, they all come in these like plastic zippered or the kind that's got like the twine that you yeah. twirl around the things. Uh-huh. Um, they come in those. So those are what I use to store them because I feel like everything's secure. I'm not going to lose it. And then um, I put my my uh, like sketch thing in the pocket at the front so that when you look inside it, the first thing you see is the title. So I know what that, what that kit is, project is. And I also, on my sheets, I generally write down what the kit was that I used just because you know, there's a lot of times I'm making videos with them and I like to know, like, this is where this came from. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I, I write that down. Uh, but yeah, so I store them like that. I do currently have one very small bin of uh, planned stories that I haven't told yet for things that I have taught classes where, um, where I showed the process, but then I wasn't actually ready yet to tell those stories. So I have them ready to go. I just haven't haven't done them yet. Um, and when Story Kit Crush began, I had just recently become a subscriber. So I did not have like a big stash of product to use. I think I had like three kits. So for me, Story Kit Crush wasn't going to last very long. So I did <laughs> I did purchase some of the older kits in the Stories Revisited sale. But um, I'm considering, I'm not sure yet, but I'm considering doubling up and doing an old kit and the new one so that I can eventually catch up to where I'm only working with the new kits and I don't have anything in my stash anymore because that would be nice. Well, we appreciate you taking one for the team and acquiring some more supplies that you'd have enough to to work with. (laughs) Well, and it's been fun because, you know, I did get a bunch of stories out of those. So I feel, I feel no regrets. Well, I also want you mentioned scrapbook.com and I feel like they deserve a little bit of a high five and pat on the back for really listening to what the scrapbooking community has wanted in terms of albums and page protectors and storage supplies and really kind of coming through and meeting this need. And I'm, they continue to release new products and I'm just so excited about everything that they're releasing. And I really 
it just it just makes me happy uh, because there was a while there it was like, uh, am I going to be able to buy an album anywhere? <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. particularly like two <laughs> years ago, it was a little nerve wracking. And now I feel like we have at least there's w- always going to be this one source of, of albums and page protectors and storage supplies. And, and I just really appreciate that for them. So I agree, too. And one thing I'll say about them, too, is I I ordered my 9 by 12 albums through them this year. Um, and I also got page protectors from them. Their page protectors are some of my absolute favorites because all the pockets are true to size. Ooh, and I that's, love that. <laughs> that's so nice if you're a pocket page scrapbooker and you've ever had that third pocket that's always too small and you're, you're trimming your cards up and it can be really frustrating for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there you go. There's a hot tip. (laughs) Scrapbook.com. All right, Crystal, this has been so fun. I have loved kind of a peek inside your brain and your process. Can you share where we can find you online and anything else new or that you have coming up? So I am probably the, the best place to find me is either going to be on YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel where I share my process um, of planning and then also, you know, regular process videos as well. Uh, and then I also am over on Instagram. So those are the places where I am most active throughout the week. Uh, in terms of new things coming up, I have a few things in the works that um, – that will be, I will have to disclose those at a later time. <laughs> but um, no problem. But I do have some things in the works that I'm feeling excited about. So I guess keep your eyes open. Sounds good. Well, this episode will be coming out in early March, and we will include all the links that you've mentioned, including to your YouTube and Instagram in the show notes for the episode. So this has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It, it has been really fun. I love talking, planning, and organization. So, Oh, yeah. Anytime. You're welcome to come geek out over scrapbook planning with me. So, And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. If you like the podcast, you'll love being a member. When you join, you'll get access to weekly Zoom crops, bi-monthly retreats, and a huge content library. You can head over to simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our creative community.